dangerous prayers. In this series, we have been taking a closer look at some prayers of people in the Bible and how God used those prayers to transform lives. Now, in this series, Dangerous Prayers, if you look real closely, underneath it says, stepping out of your comfort zone. Even when I say that, some of you are like, no, thank you. I don't want to do that, you know? Uh, but when I saw that, I laughed for the first time because as a child, my mother said that to me probably every single day. Tyler, this is a good chance for you to step out of your comfort zone. And I was like, Mom, I don't really want to do that, you know? And the first time, she signed me up for a kid's skit at an outreach. And I said, Mom, I don't want to do it. I'm really nervous. And she said, you're going to do it. You know, she said, step out of your comfort zone. And I really didn't want to do it. And I did this kid's outreach. And you know, when I did that, that was one of the first sparks of my passion for kids ministry was me stepping out of my comfort zone and God saying, trust me and look what I can do. So a, a big part of why I'm here today is one of those moments in my life. And so in our prayer life, we want to be comfortable, right? We want to be comfortable and we want to get what we want. We want to go through life unchallenged. But when we pray dangerous prayers, it will take us out of our comfort zone and we will see what God can do when we fully trust him in our lives. So today's dangerous prayer is going to be found in 1 Samuel chapter 1. If you want to turn there, it'll also be on the screen. And before we read this prayer, I want to give you a little bit of background of what's going on. So we're going to be looking at Hannah. This was Hannah's prayer, but I want to give you a little background right here. Hannah, she is one of two wives to a man named Elkanah. Elkanah's other wife, Paniah, had children, but Hannah did not. There was an intense competitive relationship between the two wives because Paniah had children and Hannah did not. And the Bible talks a little bit of Paniah was a little bit rude about it and rubbed it in her face and stuff like that. And I had to laugh. This is going to shock you. In studying this passage, this came up multiple times. It's going to shock you. Uh, the Old Testament record shows uh, that troubled always followed the practice of plural marriage. What? Is anyone shocked? You're like, two husbands is difficult? What? Two wives? Like, I have perfect communication with my one. You know, like, I was like, really? That was a shock? Okay. Um, but you see, Hannah, she was shamed because she was unable to have children. This caused great anguish and grief for Hannah. And over time, the shame became unbearable for her to handle. So year after year, their family went up from the town to worship and sacrifice the Lord. And whenever that day came, Elkanah uh, to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to Paniah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave double the portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. But her rival kept poking at her to irritate her. Well, one of those visits to the tabernacle, they were celebrating and worshiped the Lord. But Hannah, she left the celebration because she couldn't celebrate anymore. She went to the tabernacle, and this is the verse right before our prayer. It says this, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. 
That is a pretty intense way to describe weeping, right? Weeping bitterly. And here's her prayer. As she's weeping bitterly, she said this. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. That's pretty strong words, right? I will give him back to you and he will be yours for his entire lifetime. So while she was praying, Eli was over here. He's the priest. And he saw her praying by herself. And this was not customary at the time. And now remember, when she's praying, she's weeping bitterly. She's coming to the Lord saying this prayer. So he saw her like mumbling and he actually said to her, you are drunk. (laughs) You should get out of here. And she said to him, she said, Eli, I am not drunk. I need God to intervene in my life right now. And Eli, then he blessed her. So let's look at this prayer real quick. I love how it starts, right? Oh, Lord of heaven's armies. I don't know how many times you start your prayer with that. I think uh, if I do it, it would be my first, you know, but it was used 260 times in the Old Testament. And it means the idea of Lord of mighty armies. That's how she was coming. Lord of mighty armies. And then she said, I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. So let's skip ahead. We're going to come back to this, but let's skip ahead to verse 20. It says this, in due time, Hannah gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel. For She said, I asked the Lord for him. So she got her son and every year they made this trip up to the tabernacle and Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, I will go when Samuel is weaned. And so after a couple years, he was weaned and Hannah took him to the tabernacle. Now the Bible describes Samuel as a boy. So we think he's anywhere between three years old and seven years old. And she is ready to make this journey. And so how many of you, when you travel, you think a lot? Does anyone think a lot when they travel? Thank you for your honest people. Okay. When I travel, man, my brain goes crazy. I have like 15 million different thoughts, different emotions. Anyone else? Or am I just speaking myself? Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Okay. One other person. You know, when I travel, I have all these different thoughts and emotions. And so... I think Hannah had one of two different emotions making this journey because she knew at this journey, this is where she would give her son to the Lord, right? So the first emotion is this, she is sad, right? Her first emotion, she is sad, perhaps because she she finally had her son and she remembers the vow she made to the Lord. I will give him back to you. He will be yours his entire lifetime. And she knows with this vow that this means the relationship with her son could be different than maybe what she wanted, what she dreamed, what she planned. And so she could be sad. The other thing she could be, she could be grateful. She could be like, wow, Lord, you are so good. You heard my prayer. You gave me a son. She could be grateful and saying, Man, God has a plan for her son. So she's excited to see what God is going to do with her son. Because she's like, otherwise, why would he have given me a son? She is grateful, giving him into the Lord's hands, knowing that the Lord will care and bless Samuel more than she ever could. 
She understands the value of allowing Samuel to live his life for the Lord. So she could have had one or two of these or maybe a little bit of both. But when they got to the tabernacle, verse 26, she says this. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy and he has granted my request. Now I am going to give him to the Lord and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And then they began to worship. Now, just to give you a little bit of an idea of what's this like, she is giving her son to the Lord. They got to see Samuel at least once a year. So if you can imagine giving your three to seven year old to the Lord and saying, Lord, I trust you. Right? That, that's what she did. She dedicated Samuel's life to the Lord. And so my question to all of you is this. What would it look like for us to give our kids to the Lord for their entire lifetimes? What does that look like? To say, Lord, I give you my child for their entire lifetime. The first is this. Know the truth. What is the truth? Hannah knew the truth. The truth is this. Our children, my children, TJ, Summer, Jack, they don't belong to me. My children belong to the Lord. That is the truth. Our children don't belong to us. They belong to the Lord. The Lord, he is our creator. He has entrusted them into our care for a season. The Lord has entrusted my three kids into my care for a season. Maybe a hundred years, 60 years, 60 days, 60 hours, whatever it is, God is in charge. And you see, knowing the truth, our children are gifts. But sometimes what we do is we, we hold them so tight. We give them all of our love. We say, I love you. I'm going to give you everything we got. We hold them so tight that we forget who they belong to. We don't give them to the Lord, right? Our children belong to the Lord. And so, and that, that is a hard concept, but we know that God who provides for us and loves us, he is the one who the children belong to. So the second thing is let go of control. Man, me and Sandy joke a lot. We have some family members who like to be in control. Anyone here like to be in control? Yeah, thank you for your honesty. I wasn't going to call you out unless you raise your hand. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I appreciate it. Um, right, let go of control. This is a hard one for all of us, but this is the best way I can explain it. My son, TJ, when he was about 15 pounds lighter, he's too heavy now, he would come to me and say, Daddy, throw me in the air. So I'd pick him up. Well, I, I would say we do it for hours, but the truth is it's more like two minutes before I get tired, right? I pick him up and I get ready to throw him in the air and, and I throw him and his face is pure joy. He's like, oh, this is amazing, you know? He's loving it, like his face. And I catch him and he said, like, do it again, do it again, you know? And, and we do it again until we have to say, it's time to eat dinner. It's only 2.45, daddy's tired, let's eat dinner, right? Um, <laughs> I wish I could do it for hours, it's not possible. Anyway, let's not focus on that. And then Summer, my daughter, when she first went down, I said, do you want me to throw you in the air? And she was like, yeah, I picked her up. And I, and I threw her, and her face was like, <gasps> no! 
terrified. You know, I, I caught her and she hung on to me. I said, do you want to go again? And she said, no, 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 no. And she starts like crying. I was like, it's okay. We won't do it. Yeah. You know, and I began to think, what is the difference, right? I did the same action with my children. I caught both of them. It's not like I dropped her, right? Like, I want, that's very important. I didn't drop my daughter. I caught her by one leg. Anyway, um, you know, I began to think, what is the difference? And it's this. TJ, he focused on my ability to catch him. That's what he focused on. He said, my dad is going to catch me. So he could do it all day long. And Summer, she focused on her inability to control the flight. She didn't like it because she wasn't in control. She doesn't like that her body was just, you know, up there and she's like, what's happening, you know? She focused on her inability to control the flight. And we do the same thing with God. Because our children don't belong to us, they belong to the Lord. God is the one, as our kids get older, he's hurling them in the air. And he's the one hurling them in the air, doing the tossing and catching. And it really reminds me of the first time I threw TJ up in the air. Uh, the very first time, Sandy was over here like, oh, are you going to catch him? You know, because it's the first time we've ever done it. You know, that, that worried parent. And this, that is like how we are with God. God is the one doing the things, and we're standing over here out of control, just watching the Lord toss our children up and catching them. So we need to give control to the Lord, to know that God is always in control, and we need to trust him. We can trust God when we turn to God's word as the source for guidance about how to lead and teach our kids. This is important. If we really truly trust God, we will rest in the assurance that our sons and daughters remain as safe and harmed ways as in their beds at home, right? Pastor Chris said this last week, and it was really, it was really good. He said, sometimes with trust, we will trust you if we agree or do what you say. We'll be like, that's really, that's really good. And as soon as you say something that they don't agree with or you do something they don't, they're like, oh, I don't trust you anymore. And guess what? We do the same thing with God. When God is doing what we want, we're like, God, great job. Like, that's good, God. That's good. And as soon as God has a different plan that's different than us, we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't, I don't know if I, I trust you anymore. But we need to trust God in every circumstance to know that God is always in control of our kids' lives. Our children belong to him. The Lord loves our children more than we can ever imagine, right? Imagine your love for your child. It doesn't even compare to how much the Lord loves our children. And so Hannah, talk about trust, right? Talk about trust with Hannah. She gave her three to seven-year-old to a priest and for Samuel to learn how to live his life for Jesus. She walked away and said, Lord, I trust you with his life. We need to do the same thing with our children. Can you trust him when it goes hard? If you have kids, you know, man, like me and Sandy say this sometimes, Kids can, be, kids, kids can be mean. And there are some kids that we know going through a hard time at school. And that's really difficult as like a parent, right? But can we trust God in hard times to know that he is in control? Even through hard times, God has not lost control. 
God is in control of this situation. We just need to know he's always in control. No matter if it's a good situation or a bad situation, we need to go to God and go to him in prayer in every area of our life. You see, when Hannah knew that Samuel belonged to the Lord, trusted the Lord and let go of control, look what God did. Samuel, who had been dedicated to God, became a prophet of his people and a leader of Israel. That's what happened when she said, God, I trust you. I let go and I give him to you. Like, if she didn't do that, right? Like, God was able to do that because she said, God, I trust you. I know that my son belongs to you and I give him. Well, we, we are entrusted, right, with these kids. We need to teach them how to live their life for Jesus. And so one of the things we do here is we do baby dedications. And we've actually changed that name to child dedications because it's never too late to dedicate your child to the Lord. It's never too late to make that decision. Now, baby dedications, some people might think it's about dressing up, right? You get to get all cute. Last one, Sandy dressed me up all cute. I looked adorable. Um, you know, I'm trying to be like Pastor Chris, compliment himself once, right? Um, you know, dress up, get pictures, go out to lunch, make it a big deal. But that's not what it's about. A child dedication, the Lord desires us to raise our children according to his ways. And you see, a child dedication, it's actually a parental decision. That's what a child dedication is. It's a parental decision. The emphasis is on training in the Lord, right? It's our responsibility to teach our kids through our actions, through our words, to be men and women of God. So when you do a child dedication, you are making that promise, that vow, that I'm gonna teach my child how to live their life for you. See, the Lord has given us parents a precious gift, right? Our families are precious gifts. Now, we must let the Lord build their house. The Bible teaches us to trust in the Lord. And although raising a family is a great responsibility, we have peace because of the sacrifices Jesus made on the cross. So we ask our parents, here are some of the things we say to our parents. Do you profess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and that your household is not your own, but that you are the Lord's? And then we say, parents, you promise to raise your children according to the biblical guidelines of Ephesians 6.14 by being a godly example, reading them the Bible, providing fellowship with other believers and praying that with them regularly. So we say, parents, are you ready to make this decision to dedicate your children to the Lord? Because when you dedicate them to the Lord, right? We as a parent, that's also on us, right? We are making that decision to help our kids be followers of Jesus and to point them to the Lord. So when we give our kids to the Lord and say our kids belong to him, when we dedicate our kids to following Jesus, we should begin to pray for them. And as I begin to close, I want to share this. God's plan for our children is perfect. It's perfect. But they usually don't line or sync up with the plans that we have, as parents have for our children. How many of you, when your children, you don't have to raise your hand, when, you, when your children were born, 
You knew what school they were going to. You know their friends, what sports they were going to be good at, what college they're going to go to, uh, what job they're going to do someday. You got this whole plan, right? You had this whole plan. But you see, there are things that we could and should be praying for. And these prayers are dangerous because they might change the plans or hopes that we have for them. Hannah went through this, right? When she gave Samuel to the Lord, she knew her relationship might be different. And it was. Same thing. When we pray these dangerous prayers, it might change the plans or hopes that we have for our children. But I love how the Lord works right now in our kids' ministry. You know what the kids' faith fact of the day is? God's plan is always best. That's what they're learning about today. God's plan is always best. And it's the same thing, right? We need to pray these dangerous prayers so God can show us what he has for our kids. So here are five things we're going to look at that we can be praying for. The first is friends. My mom and me talked this week and she shared with me. She said, I didn't understand the importance that I should have been praying for my kids' friends before they were even born. She said, I I should have been doing that. I should have been praying for my kids' friends because they have so much influence in their lives, right? And so when we pray for our kids to have friends, my oldest is almost four years old and I want want my son to have friends, you know? I want him to have friends. I, I want him to enjoy people. But when we were studying this, We want to pray that they would have the right friends, wise friends, Christian friends that will point them towards Jesus. Now, this is a dangerous prayer because if you pray for the right friends, there might be a season in these kids' lives where they don't have any friends, right? And that, as a parent, that's hard. But again, say, Lord, we know you're in control, right? Because we don't want them to have hundreds of wrong friends that are going to point them away from Jesus. We want them to have friends that point them towards Jesus. So that is a dangerous prayer, but we want to pray for the right friends that God would provide for them. The second thing is this, extracurricular activities. I mean, we we live in a world, right, where it is normal now when we say, how are you doing? Nine out of 10 times, what do people say? (laughs) I'm busy, right? I've started to hear and say it so much. I'm like, that's not even a shocker anymore. We're just busy. Like that's like the normal response. And so I think if you sat down all by yourself and you opened up your calendar and you looked at your calendar, what would be the number one priority of time in your life? If you looked at your calendar, what would take up the most time in your life? What is the top priority? Because I know know, one thing that's challenged me with my son someday when he gets older I don't want him to say man I am the best badminton player in the world why because that's a little weird anyway no I want him to say I love Jesus Christ with all of my heart I want my son to love the Lord with everything he's got and we need to pray for our children not to be the best sports player not to be the best dancer in the world, but to be a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. And that's a dangerous prayer. That's a dangerous prayer because it might, it, it, it might, they might not play the sport that you played or have the same passion that you do. But like we said, there is nothing more important than living your life for Jesus. The third thing is future spouse, right? Future spouse. 
mine and Sandy's parents have been praying for that since the day we have been born. And my mom, her prayers work. Thank you. Love you, Sandy. Uh, You know, pray for your future spouse, right? For your kid's future spouse. Start praying that because none of us, I I know this, no one want their kid to end in a divorce or have problems in their marriage. And we need to start spending time right now praying for the right man or woman in their life, the right spouse that God would bring them. Also to start praying for your in-laws because how many of you know in-laws is family, right? Pray for the, that God would bring the right people into your family. And that's a dangerous prayer because to pray for the right person means they might have to wait longer than they wanted to, right? They might have to wait a couple more years longer. But the dangerous prayer is let it be the right person. Then education. This is one where I know there are some people. It's like, man, my great grandfather went to this college. Your mom went to this college. You have to go to this college. Your children have to go to this college. But again, we need to know what God's plan is. So God might say, I want you to go to this school. And, And your mind is like, Oh, that's not, that's not a good idea, right? But the dangerous prayer is it's going to put them in the right place where God wants them to be. So start praying for their education because we have our plans, but we need to pray that God would make it clear what his plan is for their life. And the fifth one is career. We live in a world where it's hard to not focus on money, right? It's hard. It's hard to not focus on money. But we need the kids or they need to be where God has called them to be. And the best example of a friend like this is he was called into ministry. He's called into ministry. He wanted to be a lead pastor. And his parents were like, oh, no, no, you, you cannot make enough money like that. You can't, you can't do that. And what actually happened, they convinced their son out of the call that God gave them. And we need to be careful to do that. Because our plans sometimes are different than God's, right? But all of us want our kids to be in God's plan. It just might be different. Pray that the Lord would show you clearly where. So when you pray that they would be where they need to be. So when you pray these dangerous prayers, be ready. (laughs) Be ready for what God is going to say to you. For what God is going to show you and lead your kids. And so all of us today... My challenge is, can you say this? God, I give you my child for their entire life. I give them to you for their entire life. They belong to you.